antidepressants is a misnomer. It's not antidepressant. It's almost like, think of it like a mattress that gets pushed down on one side. So the other side pops up. As the other side pops up, that's when they add in things like Abilify or they just keep adding more and more medicine. That part needs to be spoken to. And the magic um, about psychedelics is that if you were able to like speak about it, there wouldn't be people like me, my profession. There wouldn't be antidepressants. So psychedelics goes to that inner child and says, you know, we can talk about it, but we can talk about it in a magical way. Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival and the revolutionary event crowd, our new online events course. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. So if you want to hear more like this, make sure you subscribe, leave us a glowing review, and you can follow me on Instagram at Dodge Woodall. I reply to every single message. It's easy to think that psychedelics are simply party drugs for hippies and people looking to get high at raves and festivals. But for people like Kristen, psychedelics can be used as a tool in healing sessions for those seeking self-discovery, trauma recovery, or freedom from substance addictions. Kristen is a coach specializing in psychedelic integration and personal journeys and produced a master's thesis on the use of MDMA for treatment of depression. She works closely with the Navy SEALs and the NFL players working on trauma and PTSD. This is fascinating conversation on a subject that needs more awareness and I can't wait for you to hear it. This is the eventful life of Kristen Gorenflot. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is an honor. Thank you, Dodge. Yeah, Thank my, you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm yeah. really, really looking forward to this one. I'd like to roll all the way back. How did you get into the world of psychedelics, MDMA, depression, trauma, and everything else you're dealing with right now? Mm. Yeah, so we're, we're jumping deep into the yeah. pool already. Yeah. yeah. Um, for my personal work, it's, um, I, was, I was trying to find a solution for my own personal depression. Um, I did talk therapy, I did yoga, I did, I, I was at the last straw and I was in doing my master's about when I was in my thirties and it's about to be legalized in, in the United States. So I can speak like, I could speak about this. So what's, what's about to be legalized? MDMA, psilocybin and a few of the entheogens. So psilocybin is what? Magic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's mm -hmm. going to be legalized in the US. Uh, in certain counties, it's already legal. Wow. Yes. Let's just roll a little bit further back there. Before yeah. you got to your 30s, you said you were sort of, uh, you want to deal with your own depression. How did that come about? Well, I had a ch um, I had childhood trauma. Yeah. And uh, th I think that's probably why I was going into psych uh, psychology. I was trying to figure myself out. Yeah. So I was spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in talk therapy and it wasn't working. And finally, I was with um, this one therapist, and I was living in a Zen temple at the time, trying to really figure myself out. So I was doing therapy, sitting six to eight hour, hours a day in meditation, and uh, paying for therapy and eating peanut butter and jelly. Like wow. the only thing I could not afford was therapy. And about a year in, my therapist put her pen down, and she said, I don't get it. And I said, what do you mean you don't get it? She said, in my 30 years of practice, I've never met anybody with such severe PTSD that is actually still functional. And I work for the police department down the street. She said, so tell me what's going on. And I said, well, am I under confidentiality? And granted, this is 20 years ago, so I have to be yeah. clear on that. Yeah. It's about to be legalized. But that at the time, I was working at night for uh, 
one of the biggest drug dealers of the West Coast, packing MDMA pills. And as I was packing the MDMA pills, I was supposed to wear a mask, but, you know, I was young and I wanted to flirt with the boys. And and the dust started getting on my face. It started getting my ears. And a couple weeks in, I was walking down the street randomly and water started coming down my face. I was like, that's interesting. And then a week later, I was in the middle of a store and I was listening and I was in customer service and I was listening to this mother and daughter talk and water started coming down my face. So I went up to the dealer and I was like, am I allergic? Well, you know, this is very concerning. And he said, Kristen, it's called emotions. You should try it. So he would give me the end of the cut every week. And I would sit at this table at this Zen temple six to eight hours in meditation, trying to work out my stuff. And I vowed to source or, you know, higher power. I said, if I get out, I will help others. Wow. So I feel that I am like bound to help. Mm -hmm. What feeling do you have when you were working for that drug dealer when you were packing the MDMA from a normal feeling to then going at the end of the shift of packing? What was that feeling like? I didn't I didn't know. Like I didn't know it was the feeling, but it was just this feeling of like open heartedness. But because of my PTSD, I couldn't define it. So that's the trick when working with psychedelics is it's very important that you were. We used to have to like go through a jungle to go to the shaman. And as we went to the jungle, we went to the shaman, we got our experience, and then we would walk out and be able to process. Mm -hmm. So it was really important that I had a therapist that was kind of defining. She's like, you are experiencing joy. You are experiencing no fear. Your heart is actually opening. And the, ma the wonderfulness about uh, psychedelics, I think, is what it, what it does is it kind of just moves the ego over so the heart or the spirit can come up. Once the ego is over and the heart and spirit comes up, you want to be with people that actually know and help to contain or help you understand so you can continue. So I struggle that it is um, going to be legalized because it would help my profession and everybody in my field. But also I'm afraid that it's going to, you just can go to the store and just buy like mushrooms. Like in Canada, you could just go and buy mushrooms. You go home, you take a whole bunch and it's an actual spiritual experience. Yeah. It could, it can also be for fun, but when it gets to that spiritual experiences, when I was like, tears were coming down my face, I needed someone, I needed a teacher, a shaman to tell me what was going on. Because yeah. I'm mm -hmm. sure you can actually, send, it can actually send you the other way as well if you have too much. Uh, I think all experiences are, um, I don't like to say good or bad. Yeah. But, um, they just are. Yeah. So. And mm. what feelings do you get when you take psychedelics personally? Mm. Well, I've been doing it for 20 years, so there's all sorts of things. Uh <laughs> <laughs> is that your, is, is psychedelic mushrooms your drug of choice when you want to move the ego to the side and bring up all emotion? Sure. Um, when we use it, when I personally use it, um, you know, I think drug is different than medicine. Yeah. Um, medicine is more like entheogen. Entheogen means that we're trying to find uh, the mystic the mystical within. Yeah. And I think the mystical experience is what is missing when you use it as a quote drug. Mm. So a mystical experience is your connection to source or your connection to God or whatever you, something that's a higher power. Yeah. And I think when we um, have a disconnect, we're running on our ego. Our ego is the one that's been like traumatized as a kid. Mm. So you're still running that program of when you were like wounded. So, for example, if your wounding is like when you were seven 
and then you overcompensate because most of my um, clients are like special forces, high-end CEOs, and high-end athletes like yourself. Um, usually comes from a base of overcompensating mm. and winning. But that program from the child is still running. And so what happens is that seven-year-old, when you do get triggered, the seven-year-old comes into like a marriage. So when they're triggered, the seven-year-old is there. And you think about it, it's not really legal for a 42-year-old to be dating a seven-year-old. Yeah. And that's the relationship that's happening. And then it, and then it just continues. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you go back to trauma, is the key to going back and dealing with the trauma that you haven't dealt with as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old to clear that up so to allow you to move forward in life? Yeah. So that seven-year-old didn't get spoken. And that's the problem with antidepressants, because antidepressants is a misnomer. It's not antidepressant. It's almost like, think of it like a mattress that gets pushed down on one side. So the other side pops up. As the other side pops up, Mm. that's when they add in things like Abilify, or they just keep adding more and more medicine. That part needs to be spoken to. And the magic um, about psychedelics is that if you were able to like speak about it, there wouldn't be people like me, my profession. There wouldn't be antidepressants. So psychedelics goes to that inner child and says, you know, we can talk about it. Well, we can talk about it in a magical way. So do you want to talk about your trauma with uh, unicorns? Mm. Do you want to talk about it in like a special place? Mm. So what I do is I go back in there. And when I work with someone with a psychedelic in therapy, I actually use hypnosis as well. So like a lot of uh, trauma um, isn't spoken about. So like um, like recently I had someone come in and we went into a space. So that's another thing is I don't give the medicine, um, but my, I'm, I'm bound by do no harm. So my clients come in and say, I'm going to do the psychedelic anyway. Mm. Then I'm bound to give information. Okay. So, so you can't be seen to be going, come to me, there's the MDMA or there's the psychedelic, let's go and I'll take you on a journey. Yes. They've got to bring it with them. They have it. Yeah, they have it. Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. And they tell me I'm going to take it. Yeah. So then I'm bound by do no harm. How old were you when you dealt with your trauma? Well, I'm 54 now. So uh, my journey started around 30, but it started before that. Like I was working in talk therapy and I was, you know, trying to figure it out but regular talking doesn't didn't get there because because you can imagine i'm only working with whatever mind that the age i'm at so like say i was only working with a 30 year old mind psychedelics are like what two or three thousand years old and you're connected to source so it's almost like this is a computer this is the hardware and this is the software and what i'm doing is i'm adding in a different software um, and I'm going back into my program. So I don't know if you ever saw like a uh, like a programmer. Yeah. And all of a sudden they go back and they look at the program and they're like, oh, that backslash should have been a forward slash. Yeah. So I go back and say, you know, what happened when you were seven? Let's go get that child. Yeah. And then they rewrite the program. Yeah. So I like sometimes I have Spider-Man go in, freeze the scenario, take the child out. And then the child is in a different place and I put them in a program, in a playground. Yeah. Now, every time when they think about that trauma, they think about the child in the playground. Yeah. They're no longer in that home. They're no longer with that teacher or whatever happens. Wow, that is really powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is so powerful. It's super powerful, too, to work with when I work with special forces and are, uh, you know, and they had like because um, they see tremendous amounts of missions and traumas. Yeah. 
And what they go in is they go in and they either rewrite or make peace with it. Yeah. So I had one gentleman, uh, actually he um, had to go, there was, there was a plane crash, there was a helicopter crash, it's a famous uh, story, and 12 of his buddies all disappeared. He just happened to be in the other uh, helicopter. And he had to go through every single funeral and watch every single slideshow, and he held every single wife. So he had all of that. Wow. And he also couldn't lose weight. Yeah. And he had a lot of anger. Yeah. And he couldn't figure it out. So he came in, and I actually was in another country, and a physician gave him a psychedelic, and I was the uh, therapist. And I just turned around, and I just said, speak it, speak it. And he was just so angry. I said, speak it. And he gets to the ground. He starts pounding the ground. I'm like, give me a name. And he went, Bleh. Mm. And he went, Tom. And he like let out the name. And then I was like, say another name. He's like, Mark. And he was like, as he was, as he was thrown up, he was taking out all the stories. Yeah. And then once he was out, he was able to make peace with it. Wow. Yeah. I also worked with another um, brain surgeon who, um, he uh, he was just not given the tools. So he said, if I was in Boston, if I was in the hospital, I could have saved all these lives. But he was out in Fallujah, and he was just not given. And he said sometimes it was the tiniest little tool. Instead of using that tool, he was writing death certificates. Yeah. All those names were in his stomach. And um, he threw up for uh, like four hours. Yeah. And he fasted before, and he was as he was throwing up, he was saying all the death certificates and making peace with it. If regular talk therapy works, you know, so would it be. But sometimes you need that extra. It's almost like a steroid, or it's just like a gift. Yeah, that's why I call it entheogen. That's mm-hmm. why I call it medicine. Even at festivals, um, I think it's uh, really mindful that if someone does take something and they have a shift, friends should be prepared how to hold space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just going back there, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. How many people leave the military with PTSD and not even realizing they've actually got it? And then they look around. I've got friends who have left the SAS and the SBS and special forces, commandos, etc. They look around. There's no help for them. Mm-hmm. It's just seen as a pretty much a weakness if you've mm-hmm. got PTSD. And there's different levels of PTSD. Mm-hmm. What is your way of curing or helping people who are, say, in our country today who are ex-military? What's your way that you would take them forward to release the stress that they've had and they've been holding on to for years? Mm, interesting. So PTSD is funny because it's not uh, um, exactly what happened. It's how you uh, you um, took it in. Yeah. So, for example, I can have five people in a car and they do a tremendous car crash, um, maybe four would experience PTSD or three. Yeah. So it's um, it's how you integrated the information. So for example, like I had one person, uh, when he was three, he went down a slide and it ripped up open his toe and he had blood all over. And his parent kept saying, you're fine. You're not blood. Yeah. Get up. You're not in pain. That encoded all the way to he became like, you know, SEAL Team 6, understanding, I don't feel pain. Da, 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 da. Yeah. But he also learned how to compartmentalize which went into his marriage. Mm. So, um, And what effects does that have on his marriage, do you think? Mm-hmm. When you compartmentalize yeah. and say, I'm yeah. not in pain. Yeah. yeah. And then you just stuff your feelings, but you also stuff, I'm not, I'm not valid. My feelings are not safe to yeah. be spoken to. Yeah. And then you add in a psychedelic, it kind of goes in there and say, you are to speak. Mm. You have to speak. Mm. Mm-hmm. So give me an example. Say if I come and saw you, 
And I said, I've been playing rugby for years mm. and I've had been having sort of head-on collisions three or four times a week in training mm. and then maybe three in a game. And that's been happening for 20 years now. And I came to see you as an ex-professional rugby player, like friends of mine who have all retired international players. It's massive at the moment in the press. Um, if one of them came to see you, what was the first thing you would do to help them? Wow, it's really interesting because you just added like so much in. First of all, brain, uh, uh, brain trauma is uh, something we need to study. The second thing is uh, 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 lack of purpose. Yeah. And especially if you run on the male spectrum, I mean, this is that alone can cause depression. I would do the whole gamut. I would look at, I would ask you to go to a general practitioner. I would ask where your hormone levels are. And then I would start to say, where is you? I would um, ask about your partnership. And then um, I would sit there and say, uh, so you do have uh, if, uh, brain trauma. So um, psychedelics cause uh, neuroplasticity. So it does cause, it changes the structural of the brain. And then I would talk to talk about the different, not that I'm recommending yeah. psychedelics because I'm not <laughs> legally allowed to do it. Even though you like them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What I do with my own body, I can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would sit there and say, okay, so you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. So I might as well give you the information. Something like ketamine, what it does is it, it, I consider it like um, the firemen that run in. The house is on fire. The firemen come in cool down the house yeah. so it goes into the primal part of your brain what ketamine ketamine isn't ketamine a horse tranquilizer it's a dissociative what do you mean by that um they call it a dissociative and i don't want to be outside of my wheelhouse yeah. for um, medical yeah i just talk about what it does in the psychological yeah so uh fortunately unfortunately fortunately ketamine is legal now in the states but um now they're giving it almost like uh you can walk into a dental office so here you are, you're dealing with your PTSD. Someone puts a, you know, ketamine, an IM intramuscular in your brain or an IV in your muscle. And you now like are processing your trauma in uh, ways that you've never done before. Yeah. Like one, one of my, uh, one of my Navy guys saw like whales going through and he was actually processing. And then they like treat you like you're out of dentist and say, okay, now go get in your car. And I had one guy like processing while he was on a bridge in Washington, D.C. His, his trauma started coming up. Mm. So it's really important that as these entheogens become legalized, that they're actually brought in with people that can Support handle what systems. comes up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very bestoke. So I would have a conversation. I would sit down and just say, like, let's start at the end of the game. Yeah. What is your goal? And he would sit there and say, um, I want to be more mindful. Mm. Okay, well, what's deeper than that? Oh, my wife says, you know, I'm not paying attention. Yeah. Oh, what's deeper than that? I'm not sure I want to be here on the planet. And so then we would start, we would, I would go down, I would treat them first, almost like a very Western, yeah. to get to that core belief of fear, or, or I lost my sense of purpose. Yeah. And then I would have them go to a general practitioner, like I said, because are you also working on um, your hormone levels? Yeah. Because brain trauma creates uh, your hormones to go. Yeah. And especially for men, when your testosterone dro drops, your depression goes way yes. up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And then, um, then I would sit there and say, okay, these are the options and this is what it looks like. Um, the inf information about ke um, ketamine is that 
it's going to go in and, and cool down the fire. There's a fire in the primal part of your brain. Yeah. Or so each drug I like to analogate. So for example, MDMA reminds you of the really sweet auntie that that's you know probably a little bit big that just wants to give you like a great hug, right? LSD is more like the really clever friend that's an artist and you're not sure where he's going to take you, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> psilocybin, psilocybin's like the really uh, cool uncle that's either going to take you golfing or is going to take you on a speedway. Yeah. You're not sure. It depends on the uh, yeah. depends on the strain and depends on where you're the uh, the set and setting. Yeah. Mhm. And then uh, things like ketamine are very buttoned up. It's very, very structured, and it's uh, it's just a great help. When you take, um, they call it a therapeutic dose, then you can get into more of the visual aspects. Mm. Not everybody has visuals. I think that's really important to know yeah. as well. And I also go with the personality. Mm. If the person's very alpha, I might want to have them move the ego over. Yeah. If they're very like beta, I probably want to use something that's more bringing their ego up for the first time. I'm like, I want to hang out with him. Yeah. Let's talk him first. Mm. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned depression there. Depression come about from brain injury. Mm -hmm. It can come from uh, brain injury, childhood trauma, also like a sense of a purpose. Uh, you guys do tremendous things, whether you're in the military or, or, or rugby players, and then you're just kind of dropped off. Yeah. And I think that's the societal problem. Yeah. We used to live in tribes. And you would be celebrated. So you would sit there and say, okay, you're at this space. Now you're sitting there and you're supposed to be mentors for the younger kids yeah. or something. You continue with the purpose. Now it's like guys go out and they do these huge uh, missions, get dropped off in the States. The next thing you know, they're driving to yeah. a PTA meeting, yeah. you know, uh, or a rugby player. It's like, okay, so now tomorrow you're not working out. Yeah. And um, it's not safe. So I think it's like a, a multi-pronged approach. One of it is that we need to create that tribal experience. One of the things that's that magic as well is entheogens are tribal in, in the sense is because this is what they've been doing for thousands of years. Yeah. So what I do is um, when I work with, um, and I send people out, I don't send them, but they go out of the United States and they either do ayahuasca or they do ibogaine, but I create tribes and they hold each other accountable. Because yeah. once you get the information, once the bell's rung, it cannot be unrung. Mm. But unfortunately, we can't be high all the time. Yeah. And But the magic is, this is where the work is. So now you have that information and then you, I call it that you come into the real world of the default world and that's where the challenge is mm. and that's where the edge is and that's where our sense of purpose is. Mm. Mm. And what about sort of uh, memory loss, whether you have been have playing full contact sport, you get into an age now where you're actually losing your memory. Mm. Outside my wheelhouse, but if you do study, they are studying that um, it does curl, uh, cause uh, neurodegenerate. Uh, yeah, generative. It, yeah, so yeah. it's it's not only that path. So that would be more of the chem, uh, biochemical. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about the psychological. Yeah. So in the brain, uh, you can hold uh, about seven things at one time. The brain is so. I'm, I'm sure some of you noticed that if your wife was pregnant, when she starts paying attention to the baby, she might have pregnancy brain. Yeah. She starts losing her keys or her wallet. People with PTSD tend to, you know, because their brain is paying attention to always either tracking or that they don't have. So it's like seven jets. Yeah. Okay. So the gentlemen that are no longer playing rugby but have brain trauma, the brain is still going there. So the couple of their jets are off. Yeah. 
Mm. And I've noticed that with different, uh, especially with Ibogaine or Ayaboga, I've noticed that some people just said, I read a book yeah. for the very first time. Yeah. I actually remembered our anniversary. Yeah. I wake up in a mindfulness. So it's like, um, it's analogous to like having a steroid of mindfulness. Yeah. What's, what's Ayaboga? So Ayaboga is a root from Gabon. Mm. And I believe uh, it, it actually might be the tree in the Bible of good and evil. Mm. But it's a very, very powerful. It's one of the most powerful psychedelics on the planet. I, uh, a lot of military use it because it does put you into ex-military. It does put you into a state and it does have a rewiring. It's very good for opiate uh, addiction. Yeah. So I've worked with um, retired NFL players that have been on uh, opiates. And it, what happens is, is that they went to the doctor and they're having pain. And the next thing you know, when you give opiates too long, you become addicted to opiates. Yeah. And it goes into your brain. And it's though. opiates antidepressants? Mm, no, opiates are anti-pain. Anti-pain, okay, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people, uh, or heroin addicts, I've seen track marks go down within 24 hours. I've seen people that are 10 years uh, on heroin clean within days. Is that right? The trick is, what happens is it keeps um, your brain in a certain state for like three months. Yeah. So during those three months for Ayaboga, during those three months, you get a chance to break up with that girlfriend or boyfriend or, or you know, ch change your set or setting. Add in exercise. As the alkaloid starts leaving your system, then you already have those um, those habits in play. So that's the trick too. So for example, when we do work with, when I do work, with someone that says they want to experience uh, MDMA and it is a heart opener. Once they come down from that experience, then they have to actually do the work. Once the bell's rung, it's, it's already rung. So mm. they do have the information and then they have to put it in. So a lot of guys find their sense of purpose yeah, because their heart is moved in. Yeah. If I came and saw you and mm. I wanted to be the guinea pig, of MDMA. Mm. Tell me how my day would be from the moment I saw you to the moment I leave. Well, it wouldn't be sourced for me. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be sourced for you. And it wouldn't be sourced for me either. <laughs> we'd automatically magically find it in the room when we arrived. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Well, I would pregame. So you and I would have a couple of phone calls. Yeah. Um, and you would get to know me because, uh, first of all, um, you want to make sure that you're comfortable with yeah. me. And I also, if you're not comfortable with me, I do resource you out because yeah. I have a very specific way of working. Yeah. I tend to be a lot more direct. Yeah. Okay. If, and you seem to be really direct. So I think we would right away, you'd sit there and say, okay, yes, this is, this is a bond. And then the second phone call, I would just kind of say the magic wand. What do you want? And you would sit there and say, I actually want to tighten my uh, meditation or I actually want to get uh, better conversations with my wife mm. or I have this trailing memory that I have. All of them are connected mm. to me. And I would start like kind of putting the pieces together. And then the third call, I would kind of sit there and say, I would probably do a meditation with you mm. just to like kind of ring the bell. Then you would come in, and, you know, you would have somehow or something would happen magically with medicine. Can I just hold you there? You said you can do some meditation with me. Can you just break down what you mean by that? Uh, okay. So um, I do different meditations. They're kind of based on hypnosis. So it's the idea of just kind of like aligning your, uh, uh, it's hypnosis, aligning your spirit and your mind. And I can do it over the phone. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm.
And it seems to be a little bit more intimate on the phone because the person's not in front of me. Yeah. So they don't have to like put their makeup on or they have to like grimace. It's just in yeah. the phone yeah. and it's just one-on-one. Mm -hmm. And usually within that hypnosis and meditation, usually people say, you know, I haven't connected to my mother or I haven't connected to that person. Then I bring that person in with you. So as you come into the office, we would sit there and talk about it. And as you're talking, there's a trick. First 10 minutes of what you're talking about is usually the, the thing that's mattered most. Yeah. So usually someone would sit there and say, you know, I'm really angry at my boss. Okay, so I'm talking about my childhood. Da, 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 da. Let's go back to that. Yeah. And then what does your boss represent? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So your boss could represent your mom or your dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you go down that route. Yeah. Yeah. Because really a boss is a boss, right? Mm. They're not putting your gun to your head, right? So why do you have so much fear? Oh, because as a child you couldn't spoke up. Let's go in there. Oh, okay, so let's go into that house. And as I'm trailing the house, the person's heart is already open, mm. so they can't really like um, fight the system because yeah. their ego is over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Loving this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so once mm. you've done that meditation with me, mm. what's the next step? We're mm. all, we've been on the phone, then I come and see you, then we go back into my past, mm. clear up whatever's to be cleared up or, mm. or find out whatever the problem is in the trauma. Mm. What's the next stage of me working with you mm. on that MDMA that's set on the table there? What mm. dosage do you take? What What's the feeling like? Mm. What's the journey that I'm about to go on? And how mm. long does it all last for? Mm. Yeah, and I'm sorry I have to keep qualifying, but it's really important that I'm not a doctor, so I can't yeah. talk about dosage. Just you dosages, know what you know, yeah. Which is really uncomfortable because I feel that MDMA is like the antibiotics for the soul. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I should be able to speak with it clearly. Yeah. But here we are. Um, but you can speak with it clearly because you've been involved with it for 20 odd years, more than 20 odd years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I also have a psychological, uh, a psychology um, degree and license. That, okay. so, I, so I'm protected under an American law that says do no harm. Yeah. So that means that you're going to come to me and you're going to say, I'm going to take this anyway. Yeah. And there's nothing that you can stop me with. And then I'm like, okay, sir, now I'm going to protect you with information Brilliant. and therapy. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. So going back to like, how would this work? So um, recently I worked with um, a person who had um, trauma in, let me, let me qualify it, trauma in uh, a bathroom, okay, as a child, right? So as we did EMD, uh, uh, as, and I do EMDR as well, which is a form of hypnosis. EMDR, mm -hmm. uh, eye movement desensitization. It's just a fancy word of saying. Um, remember when Freud would use the yeah the the, the watch back yeah. and forth. It's basically moving the okay. eyes back and forth, and what it does is it takes you out of your thinking space of your talking. It yeah. takes you out of your peripherals. It's all hypnosis. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the person took the medicine. I'm like, okay, here we are. Their hearts opening up, and then we went into the trauma, and it, it was really that child. That was, you know, inappropriate, uh, inappropriately touched in yeah. uh, a bathroom. So he, you know, didn't want to look at it, didn't want to talk about it, but he was stuck there. So what I did was I had Superman go in, go grab him, take him out. And then I had him imagine, uh, a, you know, a SEAL Team 6 guy go in and he, shot, you know, he took grenades and blew up yeah. the tub and shards went everywhere. Yeah. And um, so then afterwards, he like looked at me and he goes, I go, now go back and look at that memory. He's like, "That I'm out of that tub. And he goes, the tub is blown up. I go, absolutely. 
right? But then he kept a shard. I'm not sure. So I double check my work. Yeah, okay. And he goes, yeah, but there's one piece of porcelain. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to keep it. I go, Get hell rid. no. Yeah. Right? So I was yeah. like, and he goes, oh, you know, there was these bullies when I was a, a high school student. Do you see your high school backpack? Absolutely. Put the shard in the backpack there. And he put it in the backpack. And then he turned around and he had all these Navy SEALs blow up the backpack. And he yeah. was jumping up and down. And he actually saw himself jumping up and down. Wow. And he told the bullies to, you know, to do one. Piss off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And now when I check my work, once the bell's rung, it can be unrung. If you think about like the brain, the neural pathways, it's kind of like water. Yeah. Right. Or like hiking. You have one pathway. So all he did was think about that, uh, or think about that space. When I change the path, that actually it, it, it atrophies. Yeah. And there's a there's a guy in uh, Los Angeles, Dr. Amen, that actually is doing brain scans on these different techniques that I'm using on NFL players, on uh, you know people with I'm sure he's doing it on rugby players, yeah. on um, you know ex-military for the brain trauma mm. and the rewiring with the psychedelics and all these different techniques. Mm. So you put them together. So I'm still with you for the day. No, <laughs> it's still back there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying this day. <laughs> so we've gone through yeah. we've gone through the hypnosis. We've gone through taking the MDMA. We've gone through clearing up that past trauma. Yeah. Then what happens for the rest of the day for the house? How long does this last for? You're about you're with me about four to six hours. Yeah. I usually have the person tell me when I leave, when yeah. you know, when the they're done unless they they you know a lot of people get really excited and then i'm sitting there saying make sure you don't talk keep keep still because the medicine's going to keep talking mm. a lot of times people hold their trauma obviously in their body yeah. right so afterwards um i call it um they usually have a cosmic shit and actually oh hold on hold on they have a cosmic shit <laughs> what what is a cosmic shit because they've been holding because the the, the body keeps score basil van de Korf is a uh, famous researcher in boston who started the studies of like we hold our stuff yeah. in our body yeah so when you get to that space of the heart opening yeah. a lot of times people like finally let go and stuff comes out they haven't wow. seen in like 10 years and then they have like another high. It's not a quote high. It's just the body actually is feeling normal. Yeah. This is where nor quote normal people mm. live. The toxins have been released. Mm. This one woman held it so hard and she didn't even know in her stomach because she had sexual trauma, which was affecting her relationship with her husband. And actually when we went in and went into that, you know, nanny and did all these things and, you know, caused the hypnosis. She had like a cosmic shit and she actually felt like she lost like five pounds wow. and her body looked different. Mm. And then her relationship with her husband was different because she's like, that freaking nanny is not in my marriage. Yeah. No, that happened when I was seven. Absolutely. The nanny's out of the house. Yeah. Done. And then, yeah, so much of And have you, you've dealt with and worked closely with Navy SEALs who are the creme de la creme in the US. Mm -hmm. so, what sort of... Uh, feedback have you had from these guys mm -hmm. yeah so let's stick to um special forces because yeah, i can't yeah. stay into yeah, yeah, like yeah. labels yeah uh-huh feedback yeah <laughs> <laughs> well special did... forces covers the uk as well so that's great brilliant yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. um well first of all it, it's they they powerful men yeah. like yourself compartmentalize yeah so that's what made you so powerful Mm -hmm. So psychedelics kind of help with safety, kind of go into those spaces, and um, you can you can go in and actually like rewire or open up this stuff. And it depends on the um, also the entheogen that we're using. 
Absolutely. Uh -huh. A lot of times uh, they'll go back to that special spot or another times they'll just be knowing that they're because trauma is always related. So maybe not uh, not feeling safe was actually related to when they were a child and then they combine them and then it turned into PTSD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the feelings of PTSD that you've noticed in ex-military. Mm -hmm. What are those? What are those? Have you seen? PTSD is just—it's kind of like uh, ADD. Is it really ADD, or is it a lack of not feeling safe in the moment? ADD, uh, attention deficit disorder. It's—it's yeah. it's just, just such a catch-all. Yeah. Right. Uh, mine is. What is it that's preventing you from being uh, fully actualized in this moment? Yeah. Right. So it could be depression. It could be moving too fast in the moment. Like they call that PTSD, yeah. but really it's just like a trauma is affecting your current moment. Yeah. So, you know, I wish we can get kind of rid of the idea of PTSD. Mm. Yeah. So I'd imagine anyone who's been military would have seen or high percentage would have seen some serious trauma in their time. Mm. And for them to, you know, I've had people on here who've been on the SAS and SBS have seen all sorts. They were telling me there's times there's no decompression. Mm. They'd be in Iraq or uh, having a massive, you know, bombing people up, seeing their friends die. All of a sudden they're flying straight back and they're in the streets of Bournemouth and Poole or London just walking around the streets as normal. Mm -hmm. That's got to have a huge effect on your mental health. Oh, absolutely. And the brain is always tracking that. So it's kind of like... Um once you've been sick on vodka or something, the smell of vodka, yeah. you know, just is the thought the body keeps score. So they're always tracking that. So the one thing that um, entheogens do with uh, like hypnosis is, I'll give you an example. Yeah. So imagine that you're a military guy, right? Mm -hmm. And you went into a room right now and you saw, and this is kind of a true story, but we'll, we'll work at it. Seven of your best, for seven of your best mates um, beheaded. Okay. Beheaded. Uh, you walked in the room and this is where you are. You just happened to be, uh, you were down by the Jeep and you weren't in the room and this is what happened. Okay. Yeah. Feel the body, right? Jeez. And I can actually, you actually just looked older. Yeah. You, you carry that on. Yeah. You're very sensitive mm. and you're very caring and take very caring and then put power to it, mm. e even though it, it's a compliment. Like um, ignorance is bliss yeah. and you weren't given that gift. No. So here we are, right? Yeah. So you could feel that. You've seen that. Are you tracking that? You can see your friends in there. Mm -hmm. You're carrying that all day long, right? Okay, here we go. And then if you could take a breath with me for a moment. And a breath out. Yeah. And we're going to do three. Take another deep breath in. And a deep breath out. And then we're going to take a third deep breath in, deep breath out. And now I want you to go in, right? And I want you to imagine that you're standing next to that building next to the door. And I'm going to bring in, I know this sounds cheesy, but work with me. And we're going to bring in Superman. Mm -hmm. And Superman is going to go in one by one. And he's going to take the souls of your friends out of that building one at a time. And imagine as they come out of the room, they're just fully formed and they're standing next to you. They're no longer in that room. We're going to take one, two, he's taking them out, three, and then we're going to go four all the way to seven. Just their bodies are there. 
that their souls are not, and once they come out, they become fully formed, right? They no longer are there. They no longer want to be there. And then I want you to imagine that they wave goodbye to that room. They don't want to be in that room anymore. And as they wave at that room, that room just like poof, dissipates and just turns into dust because this is no longer where they are. And now they're like fully formed and they can go where they need to be, wherever their sense of God is, wherever their sense of source is. And they can, as they're going to the spaces, they're hugging you and saying, thank you. This is the memory of where they want to be at. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. And now what do you see? Myself with my seven mates. Yeah, right? There you are. Away, having a laugh with the boys. There you are. There you are. Oh. And right, there you go. Yeah, so you yeah, can completely yeah, rewrite yeah, the brain, yeah, rewire yeah, the brain. Yeah, and I'm just going to check my work one more time. Where do you see them now? Having, right? having fun with mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow, wow, yeah, wow, wow. Yeah. Anybody's li listening to this and they had a reaction, please just have a drink of water mm. and just like sit for a moment because sometimes people get affected mm. by that. And that, me being mm. straight now mm. with no drugs inside <laughs> me, <laughs> has had a big effect immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's over a five-minute period. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go back to the term straight. Nobody is straight. Yeah. Like, and, and people, when people say, I've never done a psychedelic, I'm like, please, have you held your breath as a child or spun around? Mm. And especially guys, have you taken your motorcycle a little too fast? Yeah. You've been on a psychedelic. You know, moms, I'm like, if you had, if you gave birth, you've done one of the most powerful psychedelics on the planet. Mm. Actually, when child are released and their, their brains come out of the canal, their brains get squeezed and it actually releases DMT. So yes, you've done the most powerful psychedelic on the planet. So you're good. So you're classing that as psychedelic, are you? Hmm? You're classing those things as psychedelic, whether you've driven too anything fast or whether you've Anything that's a brain shift. Is a psych anything is a brain shift is a psychedelic, right? Um, coffee is my favorite entheogen. Um, uh, so anything that's a brain shift is a psychedelic? For me, anything is that I, I just a brain shift. Yeah, wow. absolutely. What a nice way yeah, of looking at it. Well, I always true. thought psychedelics was... Uh, magic mushrooms and LSD and you have done really... things in rugby that are more intense than any quote psychedelic let's be real yeah so mm. there so there is well, I like that line well it's kind of true yeah right? absolutely yeah. your wife gave birth you know that's even more intense yeah it's even more intense than a rugby player I'm talking yeah. to the moms Do you know what? <laughs> always Always stay at the top end when your wife is giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> right. Always so, stay at the top end. Any yeah, lads out there listening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where were we? Yeah, you were trying to uh, say which drug for you. <laughs> yeah, which drug? So we're going back it? to that yeah. is that it, it, when you're working in a therapeutic space, um, I like to use the words like medicine or medicine, the yeah. engine. Yeah. The other thing too is I would never tell you specifically which one because that would... Because it's my choice. It would go against my licensure. Yeah. I would just give you information. Yeah. So if you sit there and say, I want to work on opening my heart space because when my wife says, I love you, it frightens, it frightens me. Okay, that's interesting. Let's go back to, oh, when you were four and your mom would say, I love you, and then she would also punish you. There's probably a connection there. Let's go back to that four-year-old because legally a four-year-old cannot be in your marriage. So I look at something like that. Wow. Or if you sat there and said, <laughs> I really am, um, want to get off these prescription uh, opiates, well, you know, let me give you the information. Information is power. Mm. And that's where I'm safe. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of men out there dressed in suits running around as men but actually boys inside well so that's interesting so forbes magazine actually did a study right and they were they said they you know collected like 100 ceos and they sat there and said what is your greatest fear and they were thinking you know like stock market crash or mm. da, da, da. it was uh, imposter syndrome mm. and so the the psychologist went what it was totally outside really? of what they were that was an outliner they didn't expect so then they went into back in to do a narrative study they actually asked him to like actually speak on it and one gentleman said yeah it's every morning every morning i put on my suit and i literally feel like a little eight-year-old in a suit and he goes and then i show up to the boardroom and you know i am what i am and then i you know give it all mm. and i am but every morning i'm dealing wow. with this right which makes you guys epic, right? You guys didn't go into all these things because, uh, oh, well, this is a small two percentage uh, because they have done studies about like socios and psychopaths, but that's like a different issue. Yeah. But let's say- We'll, like do that, another, we'll do another subject, another episode on that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's a whole different thing. But you yeah. know what? They're actually, because they're completely out there, they're happy within their own brain, yeah. but it's a different. So talking about like the 98%, it's just that you, you guys uh, went in because- you know, you want to be firemen. Yeah. You want to be, you know, you want to be, you want to do good. Yeah. So then you do good. And then, but then you're set on these missions, which are very spiritual. High end rugby is a very spiritual sport. Mm. You know, you're in flow state yeah. or you're in camaraderie or you're in brotherhood. Yeah. It is, it is a, a, a spiritual experience. And then you get the brain trauma and then you're dropped off all of a sudden when you retire. Yeah. It's like, what next and the problem is especially with men is that when you are in your uh when you start to like get uh scared or confused you go quiet yeah and people say quiet is okay yeah. no the quieter you are the more concerned yeah. so that's why i keep when i do um I, I, it is tribal and so i do have lists of men that keep each other accountable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Funny. Women are different than yeah. men, on, but you know. I think women. I think women are there. They will speak. They allow. They speak to their mates more. Blokes, if they have a problem, will go quiet, mm -hmm. and that's the biggest problem we've got at the moment. Mm -hmm. Is men going quiet because mm -hmm. their suicide rate is ridiculously high mm -hmm. in that ages between the forty and fifty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do have a funny to say that um, I was working with a, a special forces guy, and um, he called me and he just said. Um, yeah, I'm on the seventh floor and I'm about to go on the 12th floor. There's all these people waiting for me to speak, but I'm I feel suicidal. So I'm about to jump. So I run out. I leave my wallet. I leave my, my computer at the coffee house and I run to my truck so I can have a quiet thing. And I, I was speaking to the guy. I was like, what? And he said, yeah. He's like, I can't. I'm done. I can't get out of this. I'm, I'm jumping into the elevator. I'm about to jump. And, you know, I kind of did a Hail Mary and I just sat there and I said, yeah, so when's the last time you've been to the pharmacist? He's like, you don't understand. I'm about to jump. I was like, when is the last time you went mm -hmm. to the pharmacist? He's like, yeah, I was supposed to pick up my needles for my testosterone a couple of weeks ago. And then I was dropping. I was like, so you're about to kill yourself and you're experiencing PMS? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Piss off. Yeah. And I hung up. Did you? Yes. Okay. And he called me back with his mate and he goes... Do you realize what she just said? I was about to kill myself because I had my menstrual, <laughs> menstrual. period. I was like, both of you. <laughs> and other words came yeah. out of the curse words. But I sat there and I said, what did the, what did the medicine teach you? Mm. Self-care. Yeah. Okay. And now where are we five, five weeks from the medicine? And once the bell's rung, 
now he's been, you know, he, he's been taking care of himself and he's, he's a world-class uh, speaker on psychedelics. When I get imposter syndrome, <laughs> I get a buzz from that. Uh-huh. I love having it because I feel like I'm massively out of my comfort zone. And when I'm out of my comfort zone, I feel like I'm pushing boundaries. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that your, um, your ego is in check. If you weren't comfortable with imposter syndrome, you would either A, be depressed or you would be narcissist. Narcissists are super happy. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're in their own zone, right? So it sounds like you kind of use that edge, you yeah. know what I'm saying, those moments. And so that's where, like, that's the sweet spot. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to go back because we haven't answered this question. If I come and saw you. <laughs> are we <laughs> back there? <laughs> <laughs> Which, and there was, so and someone fun. magically put three drugs on the table that were already there. So you didn't bring them and I didn't bring them. And there was magic mushrooms, MDMA and ketamine. Which one would you choose for me? Medicine. Medicine, not drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's been around thousands of years. So let's play this out. I don't pick for you. Yeah. And But I would explain, if you don't want to think about yourself, think about, because because this is like uh, not private, think of a friend Yeah. and then um, get into his space. And I'm going to say, let's pretend you're like Tom or Jimmy or something. Yeah. If I had a magic wand, what do you want? If I had a magic wand, what do you So need? if I was thinking of a friend, what I want for them. Um, like pretend you're them. Oh, pretend I'm, pretend I'm them. Okay, what do I want? Um, what would he need? For his mind to open up and speak. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you suffer from depression? Who, me? Your friend. Oh, no, my friend. Yeah. Um, I would imagine there was a level of depression there for him because everything is caught up in his mind because mm. there's no one to turn to mm. because i think if he turned to someone it could open up a can of worms mm. or it could open up things that maybe he's just suppressed for years and years and years and years and goes i'll just deal with it myself mm-hmm. rather than open up and share what's going on in his life mm-hmm. really pretend you're him yeah okay what would happen if i created a space where your mind can't chatter would that frighten you does it protect you does your brain protect you i would love to take a medicine that would open my mind up to all the stuff i've shoved under the carpet all the years Mm -hmm. is that true do you really want to open it up it will scare me to open it up but i'm at an age where i feel the time is right to open this up because I can't carry this on on my shoulders for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're scared to open up that, like, look under the rug and see yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you, do you realize that you can go almost like a faucet and we can slowly open it up and slowly close? Mm. And that way you would be, so you're the driver. Yeah. I'm the co-pilot. Yeah. Now, granted, the co-pilot, I don't know if you know about, ra- yeah, I probably do, about race car driving. Yeah. I'm the one with the directions yeah. and all that stuff. You're the gas and brake. Yeah. You're the gas and brake and you're also the So you can kind of tell me where you want to go mm. and but you can go as fast or as slow as you can. I'm just going to give you all the information. Yeah. So I would give you the information about these different entheogens. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know you're tracking which one I would give for you, but now I'm pretending you're Tommy, so here we are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I would say I fancy today try an mdma which my mate dave says really good by the way when he's when he's partying in a festival 
<laughs> Sometimes you turn like this very excited 14-year-old boy. It's really beautiful. So I wanted to choose MDMA with you mm -hmm. to go back in the past and open up a few things. Mm -hmm. And I'm still my friend Jimmy here. Mm. Would that be the right medicine to choose right now, do you think? Yeah, so uh, that's that's the thing is that I can't say right or wrong yeah. or offer, but I would sit there and say, so Jimmy, this one opens up your heart yeah. and it's very, very gentle. It's going to feel like you're hugging an auntie, Yeah. right? And she was wearing all cotton clothes mm. and super soft. Is that how you want to approach it? That's a nice thought. Or, What's that one? MDMA. MDMA, okay. Or Jimmy, do you wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares and you don't talk about it? You know, are you so tight in your mind that you feel if it's going to come out, it's going to come out too fast? Mm. Do you feel sometimes you just have night sweats? Mm. Okay. Maybe you need to go in and have someone quell that fire. And then they can decide. Each one is like also a mount. Yeah. So you can have visuals or not have visuals working with that. And I would say it's very important that you also work with someone that can decompress because words do help as yeah. they come out. Yeah. And that's ketamine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the magic mushrooms? Psilocybin. Psilocybin. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, there's different strains. There's different strains, yeah. And also, I've heard. And also it, 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 the, the grower, mm. right? So sometimes if mushrooms are, are psilocybin, if they're pulled too fast, they get that bruising. Yeah. And the bruising is actually, the blue can actually like affect, you know, some people say their stomach hurts yeah. because almost all uh, serotonin is made in the stomach. So that's another thing is that diet is so important, mm. you know? So that's part of like, once the bell is rung, it cannot be unrung. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, you might, you might take, uh, you might go through this therapeutic experience, but if you're still eating something that's allergic to your body, like gluten and sugar or alcohol, yeah. you're washing away the serotonin yeah, in the okay. stomach. Regarding cannabis in the U.S., mm -hmm. is it legal in every, in every state in the U.S.? Mm -mm. No. No. Um, but it's it's becoming legal. And, and that's the thing, too, is that I struggle with the legalization because um, now it's like super strong there are strains that like this is not you know your your grandmother's weed like it's frightening right <laughs> it's not your grandmother's <laughs> weed <laughs> it's full-on it's full-on powerful hallucinogenic weed right uh yeah it can get mm. yeah um but also there i like that there's different strains yeah. and there's different but so and also um like I said, each each medicine is not for everyone. So THC actually tetrahydrocannabinol mm -hmm. in the weed itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For some people, you know how some people get the paranoid. Yeah. It's because their norepinephrine goes up because mm. one part is going down. So the part of the brain is just like, oh my gosh, the one part of the mattress is going down. So then they have yeah. the norepinephrine. So like six of your 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 buddies are all smoking, and one person's yeah. like losing <laughs> their mind. They're losing their mind not because there's uh, because they 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 can't handle it, mm. but they're losing their mind because their norepinephrine, which is fight, flight, or fear, yeah. is going up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's a good thing that cannabis is legal in the U.S.? Well, I think all plants should be legal. I think you should be able to do whatever you want with your body. It's yours. Yeah. You know? Kristen, I have thoroughly enjoyed this episode. 
I could do a part two 100%. I really do appreciate mm. you coming on. I know you're coming over from America and you're Thank doing you. a, a tour around here. I really appreciate you coming on and for your honesty. And I've really, really found this fascinating, this chat. Yeah. And we can go deeper. I'll do more research for you. 100%. Mm. 100%. Thanks a lot, Kristin. And uh, lovely to meet you. Yeah, you're powerful. Nice Thank one. You. Take yes. care. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you.